Well, hello everybody and welcome back to this week's episode of the My Love of Golf podcast. It's a special episode. It's the Masters Week episode. Just seems like uh, not too long ago and it wasn't really when you think about it, Rocket, that we did the last year's uh, Masters episode. I think we did two Masters episodes last week and, and our last one was that good. We replayed it again. Welcome back to the Masters episode, Rocket. How are you? I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit under the weather again. You know, we couldn't do the podcast last week, so we've missed a little bit of stuff, but you know. I'll be on my deathbed and do this one. It's the Masters. It's the Masters. You're right. Well, we missed you, Rocket, but the the listeners didn't miss the podcast. Uh, We had Stephen Britton on, who is uh, the amazing Australian uh, superintendent, master of agronomy over there at Chevy Chase Club, history going back to Royal Melbourne, et cetera, Frankston Boy, now frolicking the fairways. Uh, We had Andy Marr visiting us. And I've got to thank uh, uh, Andy Marr because the hat that I'm wearing that you can't see in a podcast sense, but when when you see the picture... Uh, this is a hat that Andy Marr brought back for me from the Masters when he was over there a few years ago commentating. He brought me back a little gift, and it's this hat. There you go. So I've got my Masters hat on. But great news, Rocket. That's what you say. What's the great news, Ross? Oh, sorry. <laughs> okay. That was Ross, what's the news? <laughs> we've got a special guest. Who do we have? Well, we're going to keep it a little bit secret uh, because uh, the information that he's going to bring to us, I, I think it's uh, – that hot that it's going to get out there and people are going to want to know more. So we're going to keep we're going to keep Magic Mike uh, a little Actually, bit. Actually, do you know what? I, I reckon I, I've got a theme song for him already. Oh, uh, hang on, you. We inter- we've got Magic Mike joining us. Uh, Mike, how are you, mate? I'll, I'll give you the chance to to well introduce good, yourself after, mate. I'm I'm excited to hear my theme song. Yeah, well, come on, Rocket. You- oh, how's that? The internet gods decide to just slaughter <laughs> me. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, no, and it's an ad, too, on the YouTube. Ah, oh, my God. We're going to have to go with your theme tune, Rocket. Can't hear it, Rocket. Spoiling, you're spoiling the theme tune, Mojo. <laughs> nah, nothing. We'll just stick with yours. <laughs> Think void money. Um, that was our opportunity. Like we're, we're, bringing, we're bringing in a guest for the very first time. We've presented as a professional outfit here, long-time listener, first-time participant. We've offered the, the, the listeners the opportunity to participate. We've got one that took the bait, and we're just flapping around. And it's Masters Week, Rocket. Mike, how are you? Let's start that again. How are you, Mike? Very well, thanks, mate. How are you? Excellent. Now, you've, you've got a couple of claims to fame. One, out of the three of us that are sitting here on this podcast, you are the only one that has been to the Masters, Correct. I have, yes, 2019, Year of the Tiger. Oh, of all the ones to go to. Oh, my yes. God. Yes, yeah, it was a good year, no doubt. We don't muck about here, Rocket. We search high and low for the guests that bring value, and, you know, we've got a man here in Australia that's been to the 2019. We don't have to go back to Mike Ferroni's and those guys. We've got Magic Mike. So what was tell, tell us a little bit of a snapshot of, you know, your yeah. first experience of the Masters, mate. I... Went in the ballot like everyone else does year on year, and I got drawn out for with four to get four tickets for Wednesday par three. And I was actually when they sent me the email saying you're in, I was actually on the way to Italy for a wedding, and I was in Hong Kong with my wife for a couple of days. And I said, just letting you know, I just got drawn out in the ballot for the Masters. I'm thinking I might go, and she said, I don't even know why you're asking. We both know you're going. And I was like, you're right, I am going. So he reached out to a couple of mates, uh, actually a friend of yours. Uh, you've met a couple of times, Conrad, and uh, young Scotty McGregor, who'd been a couple of years before and on a tour in, when Sergio won and got the boys uh, from that tour to organise tickets to go Friday and Sunday as well. Accommodation, about a 15-minute walk from the course, and we played golf on the other odd days. It was, a, it was unbelievable. The course itself, 
yeah, it's it's what everyone says. It's it's Disneyland, and I went there knowing what you two have been told a million times, and that is the undulations. Just you won't believe it. You won't believe it. So I fully expected to be like I've heard it. I'm so I'm expecting this, but it's ridiculous. Ten is ridiculous. It's a ski slope. It's unbelievable. So let's let's backtrack for a second there. So you're on a plane on the way to Italy. And you yes. get the you get the notification that you're going to the Masters. What was the time lag between? What could otherwise? Oh, what was that? I reckon they drew the they draw the ballot out in mid year. So I think I got the email in about July ish, August, somewhere around there. So it's a bit of waiting time, and it's a massive you know seventy five dollars US per ticket to, that you need to pay. So it's even if I'm not going, I'm pretty much buying those tickets to ensure they get in my hot hands, so that at least I know that. It sort of sets me down the path of going there, um, but it's not a risk if I don't turn up or I don't turn up. So, yeah, it was a pretty easy decision. So did you do the usual uh, sort of trek and make a bit of a trip about, out of it and, and play some extra golf in and around? We, we did. We did. Um, another friend of mine, so there was five of us ended up going in the end. Three flew out of Melbourne and two flew out of Manchester. The first two, Doc and myself, Doc, you, Doc, you know as well, Doc Smith, we flew to LA. We played uh, Rancho Park just off straight off the plane and then went and nice. checked into the Airbnb. Conrad flew in the next day and we played Trump uh, LA out on, the, out on the water, which was, you know, a good little scenic track. Uh, the next day, the three of us went and played Rustic Canyon, which was exceptional. Oh. Well, yeah, we didn't miss, we didn't mess around. <laughs> Uh, then we flew to the Masters, did the trip that I just told you. Then everyone else flew home, but I'm a bit of a baseball fan and love my Yankees, so I wasn't going that far to not get up and see another game. So I talked Doc into coming up there. So I went to New York and we shot off and played Beth Page, and that was the, the year the PGA was there. So we played oh, Beth Page. Prep, that would have been prepping it. It was perfect. Stands were up. It was three weeks out because that was the first year they played the PGA as yeah. the second major. So. Yeah, it was a pretty unbelievable trip. And then when you got down to Augusta, you played around yeah. there a little bit? We did. We ended up playing um, Palmetto, which was amazing. So home course of uh, Kevin Kisner and Scotty Brown. Everyone reckons that course is just amazing. It's very, very, very nice. Old style course, beautiful old um, homestead sort of um, clubhouse. It's where they, I believe, they had before there was a par three tournament. That was where they had the Wednesday tournament before the Masters, mm-hmm. uh, and it was just a beautiful day. Really, really well looked after. And then on the Saturday, we played a course called Plant. Uh, I can't remember what it's called. It was a, it was like a it was a VIP day where they literally took us out, and there was you know, forty five hole golf course. Do what you please here's some beers, come inside, have lunch, watch the golf on the lazy boy chairs, then go back out and play another 18 holes. It was a very, very tough day, that one. It was a long day, but a great day. And how many days on the property of Augusta National GC? Three days. Three days on course. Uh, The Wednesday par three, and weather is looking pretty similar this year to what we copped, so really muggy, uh, foggy in the morning, but, you know, you know, feeling quite steamy and hot all day, and that was Wednesday. So we got out to the course, walked as many holes as we could, and then filed over to the par three course and, and hung out there for a while, loaded up on merchandise like pretty much everyone else does, bought everything that we could get our hands on. Uh, Friday we got in there, which was perfect, um, followed everyone around, you know, so main course obviously watching all the um, – watched a fair bit of golf out of Amen Corner. And then Sunday we got there – it was a it was it was the year that it was the first year that they'd had the shift tea times 
um, they were doing off one and ten, and they were st- we teed off at like I think they teed off at like eight a.m. because there was thunderstorms. So um, in the coming in the afternoon, so we were there very early in the morning, but it was all done by lunchtime. You know, one o'clock, two o'clock. But yeah, yeah, that's, that's when they moved. They did all the groups of three and stuff yeah. like that, which would yeah. have meant. They just did the normal format. Tiger would have been in the second last group. Correct. Yeah, it would have been Molinari Finau in the last group. Yeah. 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 Now, yep. just a, just always something that uh, pops up into my mind: the damage on the credit card bill from the merch stand. What did that tell? What did that tell you in it? So I would have spent, and I can quite honestly say this: I spent the least of the five, and I and and I think I would have spent at least a thousand Aussie. Um, Gee, that's all right. Yeah, <laughs> and but I will say, but uh, about a week and a half ago, I got an email from Augusta, and I don't know why, but they just basically said we've given you access as a long-time supporter of Augusta National to the shop. So basically, open up and go. So I think it was if it was yeah. So because of having no patrons and stuff like that, yeah, they've gone online. So it was like if you've been previously, etc. They've got obviously all your information, yeah. and they've gone. Just here you go. If you've been previously, we'll open it up online so you can go knock yourself out. Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna rake it in. They are. I think last year they did it because they had no patrons. Obviously, yeah. that makes sense. But I wasn't expecting them to do it again this year, and I certainly wasn't expecting me sitting in Melbourne to be getting access. So that was. Yeah, I would have spent some more money again there, obviously. Can you send some screenshots? <laughs> it, it, it was super, it was like, oh, if, if people, you know, if you guys want something, we can have a chat after this. But it's literally like you you logged in on your mobile phone and if you wanted to then open it on your on your laptop, it was like, no, nah, you, you used your phone, you can only look at it on that phone. It was like very, very um, oh, they've got, oh, so full on security. Yeah, they've, yeah. They've yeah, wow. Oh yeah, you would know. You would know how all this works. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There you go. <laughs> yeah, they've got it sussed out. They're not mucking around. No, they know how this would get exploited. Yeah, so exactly. They're like, no, no, no. So Rocket, we'll we'll get back to Mike and and one of the key reasons why he's um, been happy to join us. But you know, you've been throwing around the Rocket's tips, and a lot of people, as you know, have been coming to us for your tips. You know, Jamo hangs out for your tips when he listens to the podcast. and Hopefully he hasn't been hanging out for him the last month. It's been a little bit dry. Exactly. Um, and when I when you know Mike and I hung out together recently, you know, he basically gave me the insight and in, in what he does, what he does in his spare time outside of golf and work, and it's pretty much um, formulating strategies around you know, who, to, who to back. So we're going to dive into that. But first, let's just have a bit of a general sort of chat around the field, around, you know, the difference between, you know, what we had in November this year. I've been watching a little bit of the the coverage already on the Masters TV, stay up a bit too late, watch the stuff on the range. I don't know why I get fascinated. It's got its own channel. Yeah. It's its own channel for 24-7 for the next week. How good is it? I just love watching people on the range. I love watching guys hitting balls in the range. I don't know why, but I just, I could stand there and watch it for hours and you know, I'll, I'll even like listening to Michael Breed for hours uh, while he, while he's commentating on what people are doing. And but um, you know, one thing that everyone's saying is about this firm and fast, and you've heard it a thousand times already. You know, by the time this comes out, the the difference between last last uh, Masters in November, of course, of course, but you know, just the the excitement of them getting back to this firm and fast uh, golf and. You know, there's some commentary around the, the Europeans versus the Americans and versus, you know, Jeff Ogilvie I heard this week talking about the comfortability of, you know, the Aussies uh, at the Masters, you know, being used to firm and fast. 
Sandbelt, etc. Thoughts around, uh, you know, just general sort of chit-chat around that? Well, yeah, so I've already seen the, you know, some of my picks already have been predicated on the course being firm and fast. And I think part of it is rooted in, um, you know, I think Gusta, well, Fred Chairman Ridley has been rather open on, you know, the, the potential for rollback. Um, and they're the ones that will probably sort of lead the, lead the charge. And I think they realise that, you know, firm and fast conditions do two things. It, it, um, it obviously separates the field, um, but at the same time, it forces people to play the course differently. So the whole, you know, bomb and gouge, so to speak, doesn't work because, you know, the thing that, and fast dictates then it dictates strategy so it's where do you hit your tee shot to put yourself in the right best position to hit your second shot into that green because you know if it's the greens are firm well then you need to be hitting from the right position to either be using parts of the green as a backstop or give yourself the best opportunity to hit a, a good iron shot to give yourself either the best opportunity to make a birdie or good opportunity to make at least a, a safe par and not leave yourself in a bad position. So getting Augusta back to what it used to be, which would be fantastic. So obviously November, it was, you know, different time of the year. You know, they're coming into that autumn, about to roll into winter. So it's really hard for them to, to get the course firm and fast um, because of just pure conditions, et cetera. You know, they, they do, they've just started the overseed, et cetera. But, yeah, definitely looking forward to – there's a part of me wants them to really dial it up um, because that will – my man Bryson, it will bring him undone. I'm getting excited just thinking about it. Um, but it'll, it'll, it'll showcase the people that are really good tee to green. Right, because you, you can be – you don't have to be the best putter in the world to win at Augusta. You just have to be a good putter. You know, your short game needs to be on, but tee to green strategy-wise, if this course plays firm, that means you actually have to be good at driving but placing it. But then with your iron play, you look over history, people who are really, really good iron players are the ones that win or contend here. You know, if you're not a really good iron player or even a weak, you know, from that 150 in, you're not going to contend here. You're going to come undone because you need that part of your game to be on song because the it's the, the greens there and, and um, Magic Michael will be able to confer this. The greens are massive, but the thing is, though, where they put the pins, they're not big targets. So if you miss it in the wrong spot, you – all of a sudden you've got a, you could have a 30, 40 footer, but it could be over a tier. It could have heaps of break and it's going to be slick as who knows. And then you're going to, if you do that too often, then all of a sudden it doesn't matter how good putter you are. You, you, you're hanging on by britches because you're trying not to three putt. Yeah. So that's why I'm play is important because you need to put it in the right spot all the time. Mike, what, what were some of the, key moments that you remember when you were there on the ground. Yeah, what are the what yep. are the what are the things that uh 
you know, that we probably have already seen, but, you know, yeah. the ones that you were there beside and watching in real life where you had that sort of wow moment? Um, like forgetting the specific um, plays, like we were side of 16 when Tiger hit it close, like on wow. Sunday. That was unbelievable. But the stuff that is that you don't think about is the stuff you've heard of but haven't seen in the flesh. Like you're just talking, Rocket, about the greens. Seeing Saber in the flesh is unbelievable. Like you've literally got an, what looks like an air conditioned event just in the middle of a parkland all over the place. Just you can hear it pumping out air. And you're like, that's literally drying out the greens and it's drying out parts of the, any low lying land. It's very hilly. Um, it's just getting rid of all the water. So, like you said, if they if they want this to be hard and fast, then like you said, I don't think they were too wrapped with a, you know, Dustin Johnson going deep in November. You would have to think that hard and fast only brings that brings that back down, which is. Well, I back actually back. think hard and fast leans more into Dustin territory. Yep. Yep. Like if 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 you know, I had this friend of mine said, you know, what do you think about Dustin because it was not as firm in November. I'm like. Dude, you forget that he won the US Open. Firm and fast is his forte. Yeah. You know, he won, um, it was the Northern Trust at Sedgefield, which was really, really firm, really, really fast. And he won by 11 and played badly. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. And look, the course, the course itself, there's a, there's a million things that astound you when you walk around. Like I said, 10 is, 10 for me was, I, I still tell people about it and I can't, I heard today somewhere somebody said that, I think it was an, um, someone said that the distance between T and the green on 10, the height difference is the stat, height of Statue of Liberty. That's the oh. drop. It's ridiculous. Oh my and God. stand there watching guys hit balls off it, it looks like they're hitting him into an abyss. And then on, on side by side, you're watching him hit up 18. Like you don't, standing behind John Rahm, hit a driver off the 18 T. I don't, I didn't know people could hit the ball that high. Like it's just, it's just um, the elevation. Is 18 that steep, that tee shot? It's really steep. And it is narrow, um, but for me it was more just the, the angles that go up and up and up. So, so you think it, well, you think about how steep, I've always wondered about the steepness, right? So I think of two different shots. Yeah. So I think of how Norman played it in 89 in the wet, where he yeah. hit one iron, four iron in there, yeah. in the wet. Yeah. And then same thing with Adam Scott where he's hit, you still hit like a 300 yard driver in the wet. Like, yeah. like the ball, the atmosphere means the ball's doing nothing. It's yeah. uphill into the wet. Yeah. And he still bombed it at 300. Yeah. No, it's, um, it's, it, no, as we said, when we watch these guys there, I'm not playing the same sport they play uh, in any way, shape, or form. But um, even when you get past the elevation changes and everything else, like everyone knows, the greens are just set up, like you said, Rocket. If you're not in the right spot, you're dead. And it doesn't necessarily mean you can hit something into a green that ends up 40 feet off a green. And we're not talking just off the front, off the sides. You need to be knowing where you're going to put it. Strokes, one of the stats we look at nearly every week is strokes gained approach because they're the people that are putting it in the right spots off off the uh, off the fairways. Yeah. Yeah, it is yeah and that's the Bryson thing, right? Because he's a, you know, he, he won the U S open because it was rough, right? So he could, you could spray it, but it's not running anywhere. Mm-hmm. Right. So if he sprays it off the tee there, it's, yep. it's still running. Or if yep. he misses a green, it's running. Like yep. there's no, there's nothing to stop his ball going anywhere. 
And so, then actually I was thinking about the other thing with Bryson and this was brought up on another podcast today because of the lie, the, the side hill lies. He's imagine a side hill lie where the ball's above him and he's got like a wedge in his hand, but it's a yeah. six iron length. How yeah. hard would that be to control? Yeah, definitely. So, uh, you know, it, that actually might hurt him there versus if he's playing a course is a bit more flat and hacking stuff out of the rough, you know. His lob wedge is a six iron length. Yeah. Now, let's just have a little bit of a, you know, as we usually say, a bit of a review. What, what, what are your takes on the form lines of uh, the various players coming into the Masters, if that holds for any any account of form and, and predictability of potential uh, winners? You know, Rocket, I'll throw to you first. You know, we've, let's have a bit of a review. Any... Obviously, had Jordan Spieth, you know, some many people's fan, you know, the fan favourite for for a lot. A previous winner, one for the first time well, since two thousand. The golf gods are looked after us by at least giving Jordan. I know we haven't done any review, and but that was an amazing win, hands down. So maybe he finally figured out to not stress too much about the driver. So that's awesome. So in informed Spieth at the Masters, I think is going to be a thing of beauty because, again, he's going to be buoyed with confidence. So whether he's going to win, it's really hard to back up a win. Um, but he's the type of person that could probably do it. So I think he will contend because I think he's going to be buoyed with, with confidence. So I think you can see him being back at the top of the leaderboard. And there's something about just the Spieth because he's not a bomber and he's just – He's just an artist, really, and he's just going to be fantastic to watch. Um, the others as well, you know, JT has been in form, and I, I, I still have my questions about JT because I think I brought this up on either last year or even the 2019 one, is that I have question marks over him from, we'll call it five iron in, I, I still don't think he's he's a good ball striker in normal tour event conditions, but when it comes to being pinpoint, you know, he, he's he's like Rory with um with his irons, like Rory's with his wedges. He's he's like that with his irons. He's not he's not as he's not as elite as as a lot of the other guys out there. Um, and then I think the other person, you know, Ram has been – Ram could be – who knows with him, that could be boom or bust because he's just had a kid. So he actually might – he might be in a really good mindset because he's not really prepared or thinking about it. He's going to have so many other thoughts in his mind. So he might actually be – that might actually free him up to play Augusta how it should be played. You know, you think about the shots you've got to talk – play. Jeff Ogilvy talks about it. You've got to th- you've got to play freely, so you've got to take on some of these shots. That actually might put him in the right um, mindset. And then, you know, DJ, even though the last few weeks hasn't been great, he's still number one in the world and he's only two months removed from probably one of the better stretches of golf. And I think everyone's everyone's so enamored with everyone else and the Bryson circus and, you know, all these other, other stories. I, th- I think he's just quietly floating under the radar and if it's fast, I think he's just going to, you know, he will be one of the best opportunities for a back-to-back in a long time. Now, Mike, 
before we get into the you know detailed analysis and you know before we run the the segment the highlight segment of this podcast my magic mike's master's market <laughs> what are some of the things that you sit down and analyze and look for when we talk about form lines yep. you know, and rocket very much goes off what he knows and what he feels and the gut and yep. all that sort of thing but you know you've you've got a little bit of an analytical side to it so what do you, what yep. do you look at yeah, it's a really good question, mate. Uh, there's about 10 million things that come into it, but I can't guarantee that it makes my picks any better than just going by gut because yeah. I've effectively that's what I did for a really long time. And I, I can't say that I win necessarily more now. I feel like I just put myself in a better place to start with and give myself a better option. Um, so for me, I, there's there's a lot of people that look at it and there's a lot of better, much better uh, golf gamblers around the world than me. And, and there's kind of two main ways of looking at an event. The first one is just literally how you're going at that event historically and how you're going now in form. That's it. Two lines up. Um, so what I'll do is I'll plot uh, effectively, I'll have the last 12 months, each player's uh, form in the Excel spreadsheet by, by tournament. Um, and then I'll also plot in the last, if I've got it, uh, depending on how old the tournament is, 10, 11 years of how they've gone at that tournament, basically paste in the field and then that gives me the data on those guys straight away. Over and above that to help sort out that week from the shaft, it's really, for me, dialing up the stats. So strokes gained is the stuff that everyone starts to look at now. Big companies like Data Golf that have got their stuff online that are, that are doing all this stuff for you and you pay your subscription to do it. I just do it manually myself with my Excel spreadsheet. So... For a course like Augusta, it really comes down to what you see as the key stats to pull from. So for me, it's some of the stuff that Rocket's already said and you've already said. So strokes gained approach, where do they rank there? Strokes gained off the tee I'm looking at this week. Par 5 performance has always been a pretty good indicator for Masters Week. Um, I've thrown in scrambling. I think it's pretty key um, for the Masters. And the one where I get a little bit stuck on is putting because you can simply look at putting and that's great, but you really need to know what you're putting on. So there's no good this bloke putted really well on Pascalum two weeks ago. He's got to be able to putt on really quick bent grass greens. Otherwise, it's not really something you can line up the same as do they hit the ball well into a green. Uh, so once I figure out what sort of stats that I'm going to look at, I then have a little algorithm that basically ranks those players. And then I can say, right, players in the field go from 1 to 88 this week in my rankings. And then I can overlay to the right-hand side how they've gone historically and how they're going currently. And then I try and find the sweet spot between the three. And that might come up with five players. I might come up with 10 players. And I might whittle it down from there. And, and that's how I sort of come up with where I get to. Beautiful. How long does it take you to, you know, sort of run those numbers and, and pull the stats where the, yeah. wherever you get them from? When you say you do it by yourself, so you're not you're not relying on someone else. You are relying on information that's freely available, of course. But you're you're yeah. doing it all yourself. How long does that take? Um, look, because when I first started using the spreadsheet, it probably took a bit longer than it does now, um, because. I've now pretty much got it so that each week I'll really only update the stats that I'm going to pull for that week. There's no point updating, you know, I could update 500 different stats. But if I'm only going to look at, say, six or eight, then I'll update those six or eight, which will take me, you know, 10, 15 minutes maximum. You're only then, because it's sort of folding in on itself, you're only updating, you know, this week I'll, I'd update Bolero results. Um, I'd I literally update the – I pull in from the Masters history rather than the Valero history, paste in the new um, field and 90% of it's done. Update the five or six stats and go from there. Does the fact that last year's Masters was played in such a differing condition set, does that 
influence what you do or how you treat that data set? It, it does for me. Um, has, the, the funny part is it didn't when I built it because you didn't know it was going to be different. So I probably am drawing on the same stats now that I did then because I didn't realise it was going to play softer or different than, than what it did in November. You didn't, no one had known. So now the only thing that I sort of do is I look at it like if someone did uh, historically better that year than they've done in different years, then I might put a line through that player and say, maybe that suited them better than a normal master's course, something along those lines, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I just know how, how we look at things in business and you know, sometimes anomalies, you just have to write them write them back and just look at the more you know, trends that are like for like sort of thing, so interesting. Yeah, no, def- and, and that's it. I mean, you're, you're exactly trying to do that. You're trying to find a like for like to give yourself the best guesstimate. And I think, I can't remember who was talking about, it was a, it was a professional hunter the other day was talking about it and he said at the end of the day, all the sums that we do, whether you're looking at a horse race or a golf tournament, you can look at all the form in the world and you're giving yourself your best chance to find that gap. Um, but at the end of the day, when they get out there, there's 88 guys playing on <laughs> playing 72 holes of golf and anything's possible. <laughs> the, the weather changes, the, the player might be just exactly. out of form that week. Yeah. There's so many yep. variables. Yeah, 100%. Absolutely. And when you were back on the ground in 2019, uh, mm-hmm. you know, was, was there any of your, um, you know, golf gambling brethren around that you were able to, is there a bit of a network or a bit of a family happening of, you know, the guys like yourself that sort of do this? It's funny. There's um, the one key driver for golf gambling effectively has been um, Twitter. There's a heap of people on Twitter that, that are that are really, really good gamblers and a lot of them, are, that's what they do for, for a job. Um and I've met a few people here and there around the traps, not many are in Australia. There's a couple are. Um, but the one thing that sort of I did did see when I did meet a few mates over in um, Augusta, uh, they do a lot more um, what we call here super coach. They have daily fantasy sports. So DFS, um, DFS in America is off the charts. So this week, uh, DraftKings. DraftKings. I was about to say DraftKings, right? This it's a million dollars this week. Million yeah. dollars US first prize if you can pick your seven players, whatever it is, score the highest amount of points for the week. It's a million dollars US for you. So and, and they're attaching them DraftKings and and the like. They're attaching them to we'll call it the new the new new media as well. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Right. So they they're, they're a big sponsor of um, the no laying up guys. Yep. And then um, on the NFL side, FanDuel yep. um, does a lot because so one of the shows that I watch, Pat McAfee show, yep, yep. they're a massive sponsor of theirs. So they 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 re- they they're almost like looking at it going and the market we're after yeah. are the ones that that are like maniacs. They're the ones that have been yep. growing up on fantasy football and all this other stuff, and they're like really into it. Yeah, and it's a different market because they. They're very different to Australia. I mean, we'll bet on anything. Gambling's legal here. You can do whatever you like. Whereas there, it's state by state. A lot of them you can't bet on your mobile phone. You've got to go somewhere to bet. Yeah. So these guys are playing this DFS, which has been legal in a lot more states than normal gambling. So they're not really looking at it the same way we do. So when you hear them start saying something like, now we talk about this week for the Masters, the book might be paying um, places down to six spots. They're like that's amazing. No, they, they, they're not. They're, their bookmakers aren't quite doing that. I mean, they're starting to get to those things, but they're doing things now that we've done a long time ago. I made a joke to a mate in the states a little while ago. 
with a bit of a cricket analogy because when we first started betting on cricket here and you could bet on what ball was going to happen and there was a bit of match fixing happening, I said, wait until golf starts getting to the point in the States where you can bet on whether this shot into the green is going to hit the green, how close it can be to the flag, whether it ends up in a bunker or in the water. And he was like, didn't get it. And I'm like, well, the player can literally almost hit it to where they want to hit it and make a lot of money. Like the player might not be doing it, but they could be getting money from someone else to do it, obviously. So there's a big future of gambling over there. Big, big. Will it, do you think that it will get to that point where that starts to happen? Like I don't want to nace, I don't want to bring the, the sport into disrepute before it's happened, but do you, is it, you know, you're much closer to the pointy end of, you know, the, what happens. Yeah, well. Do you think? Yeah. It's, it, it, you would, look, it, you wouldn't think it's going to be someone who's, you know, not talking about a Rory or a Dustin, these guys that there's no, there's no money you're paying them to sort of do that sort of stuff. Yeah. But if they're taking money on someone who's sitting constantly not getting, making cut and they're offered more money than what they know what to do with, anything's possible. Yeah. I mean, the Australian cricket team was involved in similar sort of antics in many years gone by. Um, so it's certainly you couldn't say it's ba- Army Army made Army Army made one of the best all time songs about um, Mark War and and um, Shane Warne. Would you like with to? the you know giving <laughs> giving weather weather information to the uh, couple of Indian bookmakers? Would there you, you go. Would you like to sing a few bars of that song, Rocket, by any chance? <laughs> no, but if you want to put in the show notes, Ricky Ponting does a fantastic one right next to um, Mark Howard with Mark War. He gave Mark Wall the opportunity to um, recite the song and Ricky Ponting recited it word for word. It's gold. Some of the best Big Bash stuff you'll ever see. It's gold. gold. All right. So we'll come back to you in a sec, Mike. But, Rocket, so tips for you. Who are you? What where, where are you thinking? You know, like when you look at down the list and you look at uh, winners and some of the other factors and, you know, who you might think do perform well, uh, I'll, I'll certainly cover off the top Scotsman. I'm, I'm happy to run with that one. I'm, I'm pretty <laughs> Reliably strong in that place, but uh, Rocket, what do you think? Well, you know, I've been strong on this one for a few years. Is that um, the last time anyone has won the Masters ranked outside of the top thirteen in the world was oh seven um, Zach Johnson and oh eight Trevor Immelman. So the form line is leaning towards anyone that's ranked inside the top thirteen in the world. So. This year, I think it's actually a little bit harder than normal. You know, I think Dustin is – I think Dustin – Dustin, I'm confident that would be a, probably a good pick to go back-to-back. So I'm going to I'm gonna put my neck out there and say, Dustin, I would pick as my favourite. My Aussie, I think it's Cam Smith. The mullet, you know, uh, his, his form line at, at, at the Masters, he's historically good. And if this course is, you know, finished second last year, um, gutted it out, going toe-to-toe with the with um, with um DJ in the – oh, no, was he grouped in – I don't think he was in the final group. No, he's in the second-last group, but he still finished tied for second. And he's had top ten finishes and top five finishes there. And my smokey – and I've already put money where my mouth is on this one, and a man who also is in the top 13 in the world, but the the bookies are, are laying him off in some, something crazy is Mr. Webb Simpson, who finished uh, 
just out. I uh, tied for tenth last year, tied for fifth in twenty nineteen, and um, there was an interview I um, watched of his when he talked about the Masters and what what the difference was for him with twenty nineteen versus every other year where he's barely cracking the top twenty, and um, he said, oh, "I finally." started to give the course the respect it was due in terms of the shots and stuff like that. And, you know, a person who is absolutely geared for tee to green, if it's plan firm, that means distance is not an issue. So he's not going to have to worry about that. And then the man, you know, there's no one better with a three wood down to wedge than, uh, than Mr. Simpson. And his short game is underrated. Nice. So I think he's, he's a good smoky. Mike Webb Simpson has been—I don't know how you we describe it properly—but you know he's probably my whipping boy over the over the journey of this two years of podcasts. You know, like he's he's the player that just keeps popping up and keeps on giving. Yeah, I personally I have to take my hat off to him and admire everything that he's achieved in you know the later stages of, of his career, and some of his performances have been fantastic. But you know, I, I don't understand. I look at his—I'm a—you know me—I'm a bit of a purist for the golf swing. I love the classic golf swings. I love the the great ball striking, and I just look at his golf swing. I just—it just doesn't compute to me. It just doesn't. The vision doesn't yep. gel with the output, but the output is always there. So he is actually a favourite of the podcast, and he always usually delivers. I'll Patrick Reed's um, babysitter. Patrick Reed's babysitter. <laughs> Do you know why he's a Patrick Reed's babysitter, uh, Mike? No. Because whenever they play, it's like when they played the last President's Cup, no one in the team wanted to play with him. <laughs> so Webb goes, oh, Will. So they just put old Webbo with him. Nice bloke. So just recap there, Rocket. Who have you, who have you got? Just run that down DJ, again. DJ, I think he's... I think he's flying under the radar and I, I'm feeling a bit of back-to-back action. Uh-huh. Cameron, the mullet Smith for our um, top Aussie. Mm-hmm. And I actually have him in the mix and a few of my little multis. Mm-hmm. And uh, Mr. Webb Simpson, who according to the bookmakers, is at $41. Okay. So oh, that's pretty – I think that's sensational value for an each way, which I, I did. You've left Colin out? Uh, I think Colin still needs a bit more experience. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Although Rory? he could he could absolutely prove me completely wrong because he's just he's he is hands down the best iron player on tour, bar none. Yep, I agree. I think he's he's everything he does says he's going to win this, and then you look at look at his putting and you look at the way he had a couple of weeks ago. He had a really good week with the flat stick, but. I just think on those greens, the confidence for me is not there. Yeah, oh, that's the only thing that sort of probably holds me back from just diving yeah. full bore into it because I don't know if the the change with the I don't know what it, what you would call it whatever <laughs> yeah. he's doing which worked. Yeah, even though I just took the piss out of it, <laughs> it actually worked. And but the thing is, I don't know if it was like that Indian summer. Or whether that's yep. something that's sustainable confidence. I'm, I'm not. I haven't seen anything that would just go. Yep, yeah, this is this is going to work. Rory, for you, no. Uh, Rocket. No, still too. No, much he's still too. He's too far in his head. Like I've, I've seen another quote where he talked about he went and saw Tiger this week, and um, he went in 
we used to lounge room and he had this massive trophy cabinet and it was the only trophies in there were the 15 majors. And he asked Tiger, he said, where are the rest? And he goes, the rest of what? He goes, the other trophies, where, where are they? And he goes, why? Because I think my mum's got some. <laughs> there, you go. there you go. Um, okay, Roy. And, okay, he, he's not going to win, but he's he well, always. Well, his first round is his killer. Oh. Well, everyone knows he's, for, you know, like last year he shoots 75 and he's shot the same score as Dustin Johnson from round two through through the end. But he shoots 75 in the first round. And that's that's the problem. It's like Rory's problem is I think he goes into Augusta and he's so – he's like – Augusta is like his unicorn or his Eleanor, if anyone's watched Gorn in 60 seconds. Um, same problem that the Shark had. They want it so bad – that they just kind of need to just let go and try and play freely. And, and but the thing is, though, Rory comes in either trying to be really relaxed and really calm and it doesn't work, and then he comes in elevating the expectation and it doesn't work. Like he just, I think he just needs to just almost forget everything and just go and try and play golf. And when he's playing bad, just try and stop the bleeding. But at the same time, the other problem with him is, I, I his wedge game and his so him from 150 yards in is terrible, which hurt, hurts him there because he's not accurate enough, and that's that's where he blows his rounds out. I don't right. think he's improved that part of his game. All right, well, I'm going to play some music while uh, while we run through Mike's uh, piece because uh, I want to hear what the the true analyst and expert and you know, the man that's digested every stat that uh, can be computated. We may have already spoken about some of it, but I'm going to play some music, Mike, just to put you in the mood. Just let me... uh, Just just going to play that underneath you there, Mike, while you... (laughs) You'll be getting a letter from um, from, from Augusta. (laughs) No, no, no Um, chance. So let's, let's go through... Run through your selections, yeah, yeah. Mike, and your brackets, yeah. and however you refer to it, and yeah. you can you can just talk what you want to talk about here. Yeah, but yeah, you just, yeah. you cool. just tell us. No, um, so for me, when I ran the model, um, the top player that came up was John Rahm. He set he set up as the number one pick when I looked at all the other stats that I gave him before. So things like strokes gain approach, scrambling off the tee, par five performance, driving distance, a whole bunch of things overlaid. He came up as the number one player, so he was—he's my number one pick. I think having, um, obviously, having the baby could go one of two ways here. He's either going to come in very, very tired, or he's going to come in feeling like the king of the world. Hopefully, it's number two, um, and he's my number one pick. Um, my his his form for, you know, he was he was leading um, last year at the halfway mark. Yep. And he's finished in the top five. I'm looking at 2019, 2018. Yeah. His last three yeah. starts fourth, ninth, and then seventh last year. So he's trending in the right direction, definitely. Um, and, yeah, he hasn't been playing bad golf. Um, you know, he, he went pretty well at the match play, top ten of the players. He's, he's right there. It just really depends on how – I think, really, it is really – and it's, it's, I think everyone calls it the nappy factor – it's really going to come down to. It might actually work, right? Because we know he, we know he can kind of lose his head a little bit. It might actually yeah. be one of those things. It might actually 
Yeah, it might I work. Think, and it'd I be reckon, a great story for yep. Jim Nance and Nick Faldo. To <laughs> oh, absolutely. They won't stop. <laughs> I think I think it was nearly exactly the same with Danny Willett. Willett. He was exactly the same. He had a kid about a week or so before the, the really? year he won. I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. Oh. I'm sure I heard that during the week. So hopefully that's a good omen. Um, another one who's probably at the pointy end of the market that, that I like is Justin Thomas. Um, he's last... He's just improved every year he's been here. So it's 2016 to last year, 39, 22, 17th, 12th, 4th, um, just experience. He, he wasn't top of the market. He was in the top, um, top probably 15 in the in the rankings. He won the players 15th at the, um, I was going to say, the, the, what they call it, the WCGC concussion, con- concession. Concussion. Um, they, uh, he, he's 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 got everything that he needs. To, I mean, again, I don't I don't necessarily. Um, I think there's a stat somewhere along the lines that I think Tiger was the last person that's won players in the Masters in the same year. But I think he's 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 playing well. on his best. He's for me. That he's was, probably that was the one. Yeah, yeah. Um, next one up, Patrick, Patrick Cantlay. So again, um, two starts here. Throw, sorry, three starts here. One was a long, long time before. I think oh, a cut, a cut at ninth, and then seventeenth last year. So he, we were there when he when he was in ninth, finished ninth in twenty nineteen. He looked like he was um came up came up. I remember him walking up thirteen, and it stuck with me because he hit a shot in the thirteen that he didn't love, and he was absolutely filthy. Like I thought, this bloke really is. He had a bit of fire in his belly, and I like that. Um, and so he, hit was, the, he hit the lead, hit the lead uh, after the birdie on – no, he eagled 15, I think, wasn't it? I think he, he was, was right there, yeah. yeah he yeah. was right there, right up there. Um, so he's in there. Then the next guys I like that are probably a little bit um, a little bit more in the – not value necessarily, but they're not down the shorter end. One's Paul Casey. Um, not, not really the resurgence that Lee Westwood's had, but he's definitely flying. Um, he's leader of the first round, hundred percent. He's that sort of player, definitely. Um, he's he's he knows the course inside out. There's no excuses for not knowing where the where the putts are going to break. He's playing great golf. Um, he's finished fifth at the players, tenth at Bay Hill. Match play went okay. He's someone that I could see going okay. Um, and then for like absolute rank outsiders. Um, the ones that I probably like, I don't mind Finau, but he's a bit like a lot of horses that I've owned and bet on in my life. He just doesn't seem to get, get the job done. Um, is Brian Harmon. Brian Harmon at about 300 to 1. Oh, the lefty. Yeah. I, I can see he's him. Been, he's been informed for the last four weeks too. Yeah. it's And that's one of those things. Like, he could come in with some reasonable, um, some reasonable um, form uh, and then, yeah. Play some good golf, hopefully. Top Aussie again, Cam Smith. Can't can't argue with Cam Smith. And then um, obviously Jason Day's the second favourite in Top Aussie, and quite rightly as well. He's, he's playing really good golf. Um, a friend actually, I've heard twice from two different people now that they saw they were at the the women's um, event at Augusta on Saturday, Sunday, and they saw him. He was there all by himself, uh, putting. He was the only player there working on his game. Was Jason Day? So. Um, I've heard two two other people talking about that this week. So, yeah, they, they, they'd probably be the ones that I'd um, that I'd be looking at um, and going from there. 
Mike, do you jump into any of like the you know first rounds and you know leading first round and all that sort of stuff? Yeah, I do. Um, first round, I do. And as silly as this sounds, I keep it very, very simple. Um, effectively, I check the weather. Ninety-nine percent of the time, the morning waves going to have the advantage because they're going to have less wind, so they're going to have the best conditions. And then I look at the guys that have done well in their round one scoring averages. So as silly as that sounds, the, the one player that I always remember, and most of your listeners will, will definitely, they definitely know him, but they might remember this as well, is Rod Pampling. Rod Pampling had this unbelievable ability to shoot ridiculously low scores in round one. And it rings true when you look across the board at players that tend to go well in the first round, just tend to do it year after year. So I roll up the stats in round one scoring. The guys that I'll bet this year, um, the top three that I've got are Webb Simpson, Justin Thomas, and Patrick Cantlay. Um, this year... No Paul Casey? Casey, I can tell you. Casey is... Oh, Casey's numbers don't say he's going to go well. That doesn't mean he won't. Casey's... Round, swims around 90. So his last three years, he's, he's, um, round one scoring average is 101st, 91st, 93rd. So you can see it's a trend. Then you look at someone like... John Rahm, last three years, uh, first, 21st, seventh, uh, Cantlay, 21st, eighth, his first this year. So if they tend to get out of the box okay, they go well. Um, shorter field, compressed tee times, going to be a little bit later start. The weather might not be as much of an advantage, so it, it's, it's as good a time as anyone to back whoever you like instead and just go for some go for some bigger odds. Outside of that, one of the ones that I actually don't mind is um, I saw a market just as I was looking at the other day, and I think I said that I'd for you to look at Ross was top senior. Yeah, I think there'll be a lot of people betting um, betting on uh, young Phil Mickelson, but I really like Mike Weir. <laughs> I don't know oh, why the w- wounded duck. Yeah, and the wounded duck has had some had some good form this year. He has, he has. Well, if it's firm and fast, still do not count out the uh, the old German. Yep. <laughs> and, and the other one who's been contending in the last few years, who's been making the cut in the last yep. few years is uh, Larry Mize. <laughs> well, that, you'll get a proper odds on him. I can't remember what the odds were. I think I sent him over to you, Ross. Uh, 34 for Larry Mize. Uh, but oh, yeah. uh, you, you've got Lefty at, at a, uh, you know, buck 80 and and uh, Bernhardt at uh, 550. Bernhardt, yep. Bernhardt for me. Like the, He is he is a, is a soldier. He just – unbelievable how – he turns up and just, uh, I think there was a there was a hole. I can't remember what hole it was, but like maybe DJ hit like a, a flick fifty four degree into it, and he hit like a four hybrid to like three yeah. f- three feet. Like whoever he was <laughs> playing with, you know, he was four yeah. hybrid, and the other person was like ninety yards, and he hit it inside the person. And yeah, right. And uh, the only thing with Bernhard, uh, he's had an equipment change this year. I'll just let you know that he has mm. moved moved oh, equipment nice. brands, and he has. He did uh, sign a deal with Tourage Exotics uh, this year. So really? he's, he's going through some new equipment. So I'm not sure uh, if that has a factor on Bernard. It's not something that we would know or see, but um, you, Mikey would know how he's going in the, any of the, the seniors events. The seniors too. I don't, think he, I, I, I don't remember seeing as much as I have recently, yeah. but I know Mike Weir's been going very well. Uh, he's, oh. he's, had a, he's had a great stint. Well, yeah. there you go, listeners. Uh, I will. I will love to hear your feedback uh, come Monday lunchtime <laughs> if uh, you jump on to Magic Mike's Masters Market and go with the uh, top lefty as Mike, top senior, sorry, uh, as Mike Weir. I know who your I know who your top lefty will be, and uh, your your two best bets, Ross, are top lefty and top debutant. 
That's Bobby Mack in both of them. He's three seventy five for top debut on, and he's four dollars thirty to be the top lefty. Big show, Bob. That big big shot, Bob. Uh, the Urban Express. We've been <laughs> following Wee Bobby, Wee Booby, as we call him in Scotland, Wee Booby, uh, for a long time. Um, I remember going to a supermarket in uh, Edinburgh couple of years ago and picking up a, a copy of the Bunkered magazine and Big Shot Bob was on, on the front and I think I sent a picture to you, Rocket, and said, "Here, this is the future of Scottish golf right here. And uh, yeah. he, he's he's had a, a rough couple of weeks, hasn't he? He's not, he's not played. He's, he's, well, he's a funny player. Like I've bet on him a few times in, in the Euro Tour, especially through the Middle East, and he, he's very, very good. And yeah. when he's on, he's mm. unstoppable. But he also tends to be... A young buck, and he likes trying to go for the shots that he probably should yeah. <laughs> relax on a little bit, and likes running up a number as well. So that's, it'll be interesting to see how he goes around Augusta. Uh, that's why we like we baby. That's always a favourite of ours on the podcast. Uh, so yeah. top lefty, uh, who we got in that market? We got Bubba, we got Brian, your old man Brian Harmon, Bobby, uh, Phil, and Mike Weir. Yeah. So you'd have to say top Scotsman. Not Sandy Lyle. <laughs> It'd have to be big shot, Bob. <laughs> who else? We, who are, what other Scotsman we got in there? Rocket, we got uh, – um, who have we got? Uh, we've got uh, Sandy Lyle, of course, a winner of what year? 1980-something? 88. 88. And uh, Marty Laird. Yeah. Yeah. Big shot, Bob. Bobby, yeah. I think Bobby, yeah. Any, like a few bets. any other curly whirlies, uh, Mike? Um, I know you mentioned about not to make the, not to make the cup. And um, I had a bit of a flicker through it. And the one player that I thought that, and it's as a person, you're probably going to get okay odds on and actually might not make the cut. And it would only be because of his knee. And that's Brooks Kepka. Now, Blake had. Can't, I still can't believe he's playing. Well, he's, he's, he's killing down me. the hills on angles so that he doesn't hurt me. his patella. Like, what is he doing? Is he trying to have yeah. his own. Ti- like, I don't get it. I literally I don't, don't get it. It's so like he's, he's trying to have his own tiger moaning. He's three sixty to miss the cut, which is you know I, I I don't tend to bet those numbers just because I don't I'm not a, a massive better. Everyone yeah. knows how much I love Brooks, and I I, I want to grab him and shake yeah. him and go, mate, what are you doing? <laughs> what yeah. are you doing? Yeah, it could be you don't you don't want to do any more damage, and then all of a sudden he's out for a longer term. That's what I don't place, get. I don't, it's not I the don't, place you don't want. You, like we walked around fit and able, and it's not an easy walk. I don't get it. Maybe well, I, I just don't get it for the long term health of just you've already yep. you've already got problems with your your knees. Like mm. stop. Yeah. Stop coming back too early. This is insane. Maybe there's a wedding on Rocket. Maybe there's a wedding. As I said, he's <laughs> well, he, the uh the man is engaged. And j- j- actually, do you know what's really funny? So he was engaged about a month ago. And he dropped the photos an hour after the Masters dropped DJ's menu for the Champions Dinner. Really? Yes. Well, hey. Yes. There's no rivalry there at all, is there? <laughs> so Brooksy was actually engaged like about three weeks before. Wow. And it was, and they dropped the photos. <laughs> and the the official announcement. On the yeah, day, it was this week, the yeah. DJ's menu came out for the Champions Dinner. So amazing! I love the man. He's <laughs> the ultimate troller. There, can't, there, there, there couldn't be a market for the menu. The, but, geez, that, that menu gets a coverage, doesn't it? It 
It, yeah. It gets so unbelievable. Masters, you know. Well, you know what? Partner, partner jar and there'll be a market for it. That's it. If you, I mean, there's a lot of companies here that'll do it, but one in particular, whatever you want to bet on, you just message it to them and if they accept it, they'll put up a, put up a price for it, no matter what it is. Last one that I bet and I got caught on because I thought, no, nah, this will probably happen, was last Masters they put up 12 to 1 that Bryson couldn't make an – he couldn't make – Six eagles for the tournament, or four eagles, four eagles for the tournament, maybe something like that. And I thought, you know what? He could do that in two days, and then he played like he did, and my money was gone. So, yeah, you can you can, you can ask them to put up anything, and I'll do it. Can you have like any weird multis like that? Yeah, can you have? You, know- you can do a lot of multis on pretty much everything. When it comes down to the really weird ones, they don't like they don't like letting you multi them, but. I'm sure if you sent them a note and said, give me a price on all these things happening, they'd bundle something together, probably yep. just make it a little bit lower odds than what you could if you multiplied them up. And Mike, uh, just just to back up, and if you're happy to tell the story uh, without mm. talking numbers, yep. tell us the story about your the big multi, the, the, the major multi of yours. Uh, yeah, I'll try and keep it as short as possible. Um, as about three years ago, I was at a, an event for a Caulfield Cup function and a, a, a betting agency was there. I won't name them. Um, and they were offering to sign up, signing up bonuses and bits and pieces. And they, they gave us some bonuses and we, I started my account with them. Uh, over the spring carnival, I bet with them, but their golf odds weren't flash. So I, I wasn't really using it. I don't really bet on horses too much. So um, come the end of golf season, I said, I'm just going to, at 120 or $130 left in the account, I'm like, going to spend it this week, the last tournament of the season, I'm, and I'm going to be done. So I put money on Cam Smith to win the Aussie PGA. I put some money on Ricky Fowler to win Tigers tournament in the States, and I put some money on both of them to win. And then I saw Dylan Fratelli was playing in Mauritius, so I bet him to win into Cam Smith to win and into Ricky Fowler to win. And then I'll put 10 bucks on all three to win. So Sunday came around and Cam Smith wins. And I win $1,000. So I've backed him to win. So I've turned my 100 bucks into a thousand. I'm like, fantastic. You're ahead. I'm, a, I'm in front. I'm done. I'm not paying attention to anything else. The other two guys are not in the mix. I'm going to go and have a few drinks. I'd been made redundant not long before. Went to my neighbor's house having a Christmas party. It was the start of December and I started drinking red wine. About 10.30, I got a message from a mate who loves his Euro tour and says, Who'd you bet in Europe? And I said, oh, Dylan Fratelli, Mauritius. So he's coming hard. He's he's a chance here. So he wins. And I win another 1300 because I had $5 on, on him to win into Cam Smith. Now, Ricky Fowler can't win. He's six shots off the lead going into the final round. So I prepare myself to get well and truly hungover and start drinking more and more red wine. About... Five o'clock in the morning, I wake up and my head is saying, you need water and you need Panadol now. Like, I'm, my head's going to explode. So I get up, go and have some Panadol, some water, go back to bed and just out of habit as I always do because I'm always betting on golf. It's five o'clock in the morning. I thought I'll check the PGA scores and I flick through and I, and I can't see Ricky Fowler's name. I thought he's probably withdrawn because he was nowhere near the lead. It was a shortened field. And I went to put my phone back down and lo and behold, who's at the top of the leaderboard? Ricky Fowler. He's opened his round with six straight birdies and he's now leading the tournament. And my very, very, very hungover brain is trying to do the calculations to what does that mean? 
So I walk out to the lounge room, turn the TV on and figure out that I've got not only bets on him to win outright, You've got but all I've got the others. him to win into Cam Smith, him to, to win into Dylan Fratelli. And if all three win, I've got $10 at 1500 to one to win $15,000. So now I'm very confused, very hungover and not sure what to do. And this company that I bet with is offering me $7,000 to cancel that bet or to cash that bet out for my $10. Oh, they're doing the cash out. So I didn't know what to do. So I am Denard. And because he'd started so far back, he was five holes ahead of the leader, overnight leader. So by the time he got to the back nine, I think he was on about 12 hole and he was hitting a ball off a tee box. And all I could see was water. It was probably a puddle. And all I could see was water. I'm thinking he's going to put this in the water. He was one or two shots clear of, I think it might've been Charlie Hoffman. And Hoffman had just gone through a short par four and made par, but he was coming to a par five. And all my brain was saying, if Fowler hits this in the water and Hoffman makes eagle here, you're going to be back to one shot or, you know, you, whatever it was, you're back to square or down and your cash out's going to be nothing. And the cash out got to, I think it was about 12. So I took it. So I cashed that out. So I banked 12 grand on that plus the thousand on Cam Smith plus the 1500 double, but let the doubles run. He won by two. So he won and the total collect for the $130 in bets was right around seventeen, eighteen thousand dollars $18,000. And I could have, if I'd slipped through the hangover and not got up for water, I would have woken up with $20,000 in my account, <laughs> $21,000. But I'm certainly not upset about it. <laughs> so, yes. I probably would have done this. You think if he's already so far ahead? Yeah. You know, it was, it, it was, it would be a very, very hard move to not make. Yeah. No. And, and I think I described it to Ross when we were playing golf the other week. Punting on golf's a lot like, um, I always refer to it as a, as a three part par most of the time because at some point it looks like you, you're home and hose here. This is looking like eagle. You've driven the green or you're on into. I've got an eight footer for eagle. <laughs> and somehow. I oh know, it's gone I six feet with past. The <laughs> oh my God, it's gone six feet past and I've got a downhill a left to right. <laughs> yeah. And that's, and that's where, uh, and that's where you normally end up. So no, I'm very happy with that. So I needed a new car. So I went out the next day and bought a new car. That was it. Nice. nice. Love it. That is that is a classic story. And, and just goes to show that if you know your stuff, uh, you know, you can. You know, you can uh, use it to your advantage, of course. And I have to, we have to put this message in. It's not yep. a game, gambling podcast, but of course, any of this is just information. No, and gamble responsibly. Gamble responsibly, of course. Um, if you have issues with gambling, please seek help. Um, but we're just, we're just sharing some stories of, of someone who was a uh, young Magic Mike's Masters Market. Um, <laughs> might join us, might join us for, uh, in the future too, uh, Magic Mike. Uh, let let uh, let us know if you want Mike to come back because we might have to um, up the uh, up the uh, contract fee to uh, uh, an, an M-Log hat and T-shirt. He's already got the stickers. Yeah. I and think it will all depend on the results, mate. If the results <laughs> yeah, yeah, are there, yeah, there yeah. will be. Otherwise, you'll never hear from me again. <laughs> <laughs> no, very good. Uh, well, I, I'm, I'm pretty I'm pretty happy that we've covered a fair bit. Rocket, what, what, anything else you want to sign off with? Anything? We've, co- we've kept everyone for an hour, over an hour. Everyone's got a fair fair idea of what's going on. Um, oh, I think it's just going to be it's the Masters week. Like it's the best, the absolute best. <clears throat> and you just you just hope that we get an, a good final 
just a good four days, a, a gripping final round and lots of train wrecks, carnage and some sort of story um, that Jim Nance, I don't know how he does it. He just seems like he has a, a story written for every player in the field. Um, and there's one thing that we won't be left um, wondering is is um, if Jordan Spieth and Justin Thomas are friends. So um, we'll find out all about that this week. And the only other only other great thing about the Masters is that the NBC aren't doing it, so I don't have to listen to Paul Azinger. Well, that makes you very happy. I know that much. Oh, my God. <clears throat> but we've got Faldo, so well, um, win, win some, we lose some. <laughs> I'm going to cover some Masters moments in a second uh, as a bit of an outro. My, my hopes for the Masters is obviously uh, Big Shot Bob, top lefty, uh, top debutante. Uh, but really for me, I want a European to win. I'm always going to err towards the favouritism for Euro- Europeans, whether you think they've got a chance or not. But Paul Casey and Lee Westwood, I would love to see either of those two guys. If Westy wins, oh, my God, the golf world will lose its absolute collective mind. Yep. Yeah, if there was a golf gods moment, uh, you know, if whatever, whatever sort of sun on the bag. You know, it's it's he's just had his twentieth birthday. Him and him and um, he took him on a private jet to play Augusta two weeks ago. He missed the Masters in a baby, the sort of roundabout baby moment. He missed the Masters when his young fellow was born. So yep, you know, it's twenty years later. Twenty years ago. Yeah, trust me, Jim Nance has written that one, ready to rock and roll. <laughs> This time last year, Rocket, if you remember, we were recording with Australia's very own Luke Elvey. It was the great podcast that we did, which will never see the the air of the podcast uh, world. Unfortunately, what was who's Luke's uh, network? CBS. CBS. They uh, give it the big. They were obviously too impressed with our work and were worried that we were going to overshadow their work with yeah. Luke and the word came back for Luke said, look, uh, you know, no, it was more to do with the state of the nation back then. You know, the master hadn't been postponed yet. It looked like it was going to be postponed. So we got Luke Elvey on. We weren't able to air that. We're not going to worry about getting Luke back on. But you know, welcome back to uh, the master's commentary to Australia's very own Luke Elvey. There is a great moment of... Uh, coverage from Luke LV Rocket. Would you like to hear it? Yes. Uh, Mike, uh, this is one of my favourite <laughs> Luke LV moments uh, from golf. Let me let me play it for you right now. Delicate little wedge by Ross Flanagan into the third here at Peninsula Kingswood. And, oh, this is beautifully played. Can it go in the bucket? Oh, what a shot. <laughs> Fine bit of work from Luke LV, but you will hear better than that from him uh, this weekend, wherever you tune in, wherever Luke's working. But, guys... Thanks very much, Mike. Anything outros from you? No, mate. Just hope for a good tournament. Um, and if an Aussie doesn't win, I just hope it's a big name or a good story. That's it. Guys, it's been fun. And uh, I really do appreciate you, Mike, for jumping on at uh, relatively short notice. But I do hope that uh, you enjoyed your time with us. And I, I hope did. you enjoyed it enough that you may join us again. If you, uh, a listener, have enjoyed Mike's uh, commentary, feedback, and more importantly, his information about Magic Mike's Master's Market, uh, we could look towards <laughs> making it a more regular feature of the Roscoe and Rocket episodes. That would, that would be a good thing. But uh, for now, thank you. Enjoy your Master's Week, and uh, we'll see you next time on the My Love of Golf podcast. Like, subscribe, do all that, tell your friends, and uh, thanks for your support. And here's some of my favourite Master's moments. Palmer is the Masters champion of 1960. He has birdied the last two holes to catch and then move ahead of Ken Venturi. One of the greatest displays of courageous golf that anybody has ever seen any place. Only about 100 yards from where Wisecoff holds that putt. The way his head is facing at the moment. 
Now, up the hill. Oh, did you ever see one like that? Oh. I think that's one of the greatest spots I've ever seen in my life. Maybe. Yes, sir! There it is! Can you believe it? Nick Faldo! There it is! A win for the ages! Is it his time? Oh, my goodness. Oh, wow. In your life, have you seen anything like that? <laughs> 